Welcome to another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study Podcast, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill, a church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill Church. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 21? Well, we are in a section where God is starting to establish the national laws for the people of Israel. And as we've said before, um, there are universal truths, don't murder, don't steal. Uh, There are cultural applications of a universal truth, and then there's national law for the people of Israel. And that's the section that we are getting into now. So literally the In my Bible, the subheading for this part of the chapter is personal injury law. Oh, it's nice to know that there will always be need for lawyers, I suppose. Anyone who strikes a person, verse 12, with a fatal blow is to be put to death. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are to flee to a place I will designate. But if anyone schemes and kills someone deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. Anyone who attacks his father or mother is to be put to death. All right, so the first thing, there is a death penalty in God's law. I do not find a biblical basis in principle, in principle, to be anti-death penalty. Um, God established that within the laws of his people. Now, someone might say, but Adam, we're in the age of grace. What about forgiveness? What about mercy? I understand that. And at the same time, when we're talking about secular government versus the church, I do not, I do not believe that there is a basis for secular governments uh, to, uh, from a biblical perspective, to, to be against the death penalty. Now, that being said, this is just my personal opinion. And if you disagree with it, that's fine. I don't, I'm not going to have a lot of heartburn over it. I think sometimes it's like we make these statements about things and then everything is like so uh, uh, on edge that we're afraid to just have an open discussion. I don't find a biblical reason to be against the death penalty in principle, yet, currently, as it stands in America, I would personally be in favor of a moratorium on the death penalty because more and more we are learning, and with new information, we have to adapt and we have to reevaluate our position on things with new information. And more and more, we are learning that we do not have a just justice system. More and more, we are learning about the corruption of our justice system. More and more, we are learning about case after case after case where someone's on death row only to find out that they were innocent because of new DNA evidence, or we find out that the, um, the, the judge or the, the prosecutor was corrupt. I mean, it's frightening when, when you think about the, the um, Ahmaud Aubrey case, where he was gunned down in broad daylight by the invest, uh, a retired investigator for the local DA. And then because of potential 
corruption or conflict of interest or whatever, like it, it took three DAs to get a case going on what's a fairly open and shut case. And the only reason there was any justice is because somebody videoed it. So I am at this point willing to say that even though in principle, the Bible seems okay with the death penalty, that we should pause as a nation. That's just my opinion. And if somebody else has a different opinion, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. We're so, we're so bent on fighting with each other right now. So if somebody says Christians should always be against the death penalty, no, I don't believe that's necessarily the case. Now, what about somebody who says, yeah, but didn't last episode you say that God gave them the rules about how to handle servants and slaves based on the hardness of their heart? Couldn't the death penalty be the hardness of their heart? Here's why I don't think so. Because God makes some specificity here. If anyone hits somebody unintentionally and they die, they are to flee to a place I will designate. What that means is this. Let's say that you had some people and they were out um, cutting down trees. They were doing some logging, collecting firewood, and there was an accident and a guy wasn't paying attention and he swung the hammer or he swung the ax and it hit the person he was with and that blow killed them. That's what we, what we call, um, you know, it's, it's nobody's at fault, right? It's an accident. It's unintentional. So God says there shouldn't be the death penalty. Just in the same way, by the way, as we don't have the death penalty for manslaughter. Or we have, you know, we know that somebody did something, it was not intentional, they didn't mean to kill anybody, but through their negligence, uh, they they did kill somebody. So there is a there there needs to be a punishment, there needs to be justice, but not the death penalty. So God says they should flee to a place I will designate, and we will get into that later, these cities of refuge that are established. So what God is saying is, no, there's not a universal death penalty, but if somebody like he says here in verse 14, schemes and kills somebody deliberately. If somebody plans their murder, they must be put to death. There has to be justice. And as much as I personally believe that because of what has been revealed as widespread uh, issues in our, our legal system, I think there should be a moratorium on the death penalty. As much as I personally believe that, I also know that there are open and shut cases where we know that somebody planned and plotted and with malice of forethought and intention murdered someone, took a life. And the families of those victims are waiting for justice and on and on and on, they are denied justice. Nuance is a pain in the rear, isn't it? (laughs) Anyone who attacks their father and mother is to be put to death. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest, why that is specified against something else. Um, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. Attacks. That's not even... Uh, now, does that mean kills? It could be translated kills. Uh, the note in my Bible says that it could be. Um, but they definitely placed a higher value on honoring the elderly and honoring your mother and father something to think about. Verse 16, anyone who kidnaps somebody is to be put to death. 
whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's position. So, so a lot of the reasons, the reasons for kidnapping change in different cultures. Uh, there is almost never kidnapping for ransom in America anymore. That crime is almost unheard of. It still exists, though, in many places. There, that, there was that Denzel Washington movie, uh, Man on Fire, in Mexico City at the time was the kidnapping capital of the world. But in America, there's almost no kidnapping for the purpose of ransom. Kidnapping it generally happens for one or two reasons in America. It either happens to essentially to sell somebody, to put them into human trafficking, or to be the victimizer, you know, to, to, to rape and, or, or victimize and then kill, kill someone. God's saying that that is actually a, a death penalty level thing. If you want to understand how God feels towards the violence of human trafficking, that's how God feels. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Ooh, that's a harder one for us. If I were to say that human traffickers should be put to death, I think I would have a fairly good response. In fact, it's funny, you know, uh, I lived in England for a number of years, and England got rid of the death penalty in the 60s. There is no death penalty in England. Has not been for 50 years or more. But there was a very, very famous, very famous serial killings, the Moore murders. And it was a couple, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and they would lure these young girls and then they would abuse them and then murder them out on the moors east of Manchester. Um, and the moors are kind of these rolling low hills, wet, rainy, everything you think of the, the nastier parts of the British countryside. And I was living in England and I remember the night that it came over the news that the, the gal had died in prison. And I remember how many people voiced something along these lines. I don't support the death penalty, but maybe we could have brought it back for her. And I, I will tell you this, when it comes to the death penalty, people are incredibly inconsistent in their views, whether they're pro or against. Generally speaking, I have found in my experience, just my own personal experience, that people are incredibly inconsistent in their views. But if I were to go to a group of people who were nominally anti-death penalty, but I were to say, you know what, let's clean up the, the justice system, make sure that we know somebody who is put to death is, is we can be as sure as we can be that they're guilty. And in, in addition to murder, let's put human trafficking on the death penalty list. I actually think I would get a fairly positive response, even from people who are generally opposed to the death penalty. And they say, you know what, I understand. I might not 100% agree, but I think I would get a generally favorable response. But then let's say I go to a group of people who are pro, even actively pro the death penalty. And I say, in addition to murderers, we should add kidnappers and rapists to the death penalty list. And they would say, absolutely. And then I say, and we should add people who are disrespectful to their parents. Even people who are pro the death penalty are going to have a hard time with verse 17 here. Anyone who curses their father and their mother is to be put to death. I'm just going to say that's a national law. And yet the universal truth 
the principle that we can take from this is that the Bible places a high value on honor. The Bible places a high value specifically on honoring your mother and your father or those who are older than ourselves. I found it slightly disturbing, quite honestly, in, in, in this crisis that we've been in, a certain flippancy that has been expressed by younger people, people in their 20s, people in their 30s, about older people. Younger people should be able to do whatever we want. It's old people that are at risk from COVID. Let them lock down. I don't care about them. I want to live my life as a younger person. Instead of saying, hey, for the next year or two, how can we order our lives so that we are protecting and honoring those vulnerable people, not just older people, but people with autoimmune issues and all of that? How can we organize ourselves so that we can protect and honor? I know that the Bible places a high standard on honor. And I want to grow in how I honor people. Because too often we get flippant, and I'm guilty as anyone. Now, that being said, that being said, it has also been my experience that in the church, it's been my experience that younger people want to show honor to older people, and then older people metaphorically spit in their face. And and I'm speaking with a little bit of hyperbole, but, but if you were alive when Moses was, was giving these words to the people of Israel, who was the person who knew the most in your tribe or your community or your village? It was the older people, right? Because life didn't change much. They were old because they had learned how to not get sick. They had the, they had the hunting skills to survive. They had the, the building skills. They had the personal skills. They were, the reason that they were older is that they had the answers. And yet I recognize that with my own children, as I am their father, they are my children, and, and, and to their generation, as I am you know, uh, 30 years older than my children. And, and as they grow, when my children are 20, I'll be 50. When my children are 30, I will be 60. When my children are 40, I will be 70. As they learn and grow, it's possible that I need to learn from them. It's likely that I will need to learn from them. As, as technology changes, uh, as things go, it's the, that dynamic of elder of the village has changed a little bit. And so as somebody who's growing older, I want to be somebody who's worthy of the respect of the next generation. And not somebody who says, my way or the highway, and just you just wait your turn. Nuance is fun, isn't it? Verse 18, if people quarrel and one person hits another with a stone or with their fist and the victim does not die but is confined to the bed, the one who struck the blow will be held liable if the other can get up and walk outside with a staff. However, the guilty party must pay the injured person for any loss of time and see that the victim is completely healed. You can kind of imagine this, right? This is what happens if you hit somebody and they die. Well, what happens if I hit them and they don't die? Do I get in trouble then? 
It's amazing how much people want to know how far the line is that I can go before I get in trouble. So God's saying, if you, if you hit somebody and they are injured, you're responsible to take care of them. If you injure somebody and they're permanently injured, you are responsible for them. I can't control how people act, how people are. But if I've hurt somebody, if I've wounded somebody, I have a responsibility towards them in some way. I can't force them to forgive. I can't force them to accept my apology. But what can I do to bring healing? What can I do to bring resolve? Verse 20, if anyone beats their male or female servants with a rod, must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. If they are not, but they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. Again, the biggest issue, the biggest struggle I have with the word of God is the issue of slavery, almost guaranteed. But I'll say this. Let's take the principle, right? Let's take the principle and say that the, the principle is true that God was looking out for people who society didn't care about. And you know what? Sometimes I get frustrated. I look around the world and I just say, God, why is the world like this? And it's because the world is broken and the world is, is thrive, thriving is the wrong word, but the, the world is accelerating in its sin and its lusts and its rebellion and its self-centeredness. And maybe we don't have slaves right now, but we are okay with the institutions that promote slavery. Human trafficking, human trafficking is 100% linked to the strip clubs down on McLaughlin, just a few minutes from where I'm recording this at the church. Human trafficking is 100% linked to drugs and substance abuse, and we just legalized that in Oregon. We, we may read these verses and say, what is this? Why is this in here? And yet our culture is totally okay with different forms of slavery. And I want to take the principle that God cares about the people that others don't care about. That there was a consequence to how you lived. Verse 22 if two people are fighting and they hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the courts allow. If there is a serious injury, you are to take life for an eye, life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, wound for a wound, bruise for a bruise. God is not saying that if you, if you burn somebody, literally just go and burn them. Although, I mean, that might be the, the right thing to do. I don't know. What I'm, what, what I'm saying is that the people take that verse far, this eye for an eye far too literally and miss the principle that there should be justice. If you have two people who are fighting, they've lost control and they injure someone else, there has to be true punishment, justice. Does that mean that we shouldn't care about uh, rehabilitating criminals, about uh, finding the causes of crime? No, not at all. In fact, I read an interesting article over the, uh, the Christmas holidays about a, a guy in Washington state who, who is in prison for murder, and he is turning his life around through the study of mathematics, all four programs like that. 
But the principle that God is trying to get across here is not literally if somebody, uh, you know, somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. Because everything that God's talking about is done in the courts. It's not about personal vengeance. It's about true justice. And yet, I'm thankful that the justice that I deserved and that you deserved was taken by Jesus on the cross. Lord, help me to have forgiveness and mercy towards those who have wronged me. And I pray that those that I've wronged would be able to show justice and mercy towards me. I want to thank you again for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. New episodes are released every Thursday. Apple Music, Spotify, and video version at our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash faithonhill. My name's Adam. You can email me at adam at faithonhill.com. I want to say thank you for joining us again, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study.